Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening. Before I introduce today's episode, I have a word from my sponsor. If you know me or were to ask any of my teammates, you know that I put a very high priority on my personal fitness. And the reality is that it takes a lot of brain power to put together workout programs, to decide what you're gonna be doing at the gym each day, make sure you're hitting the right muscle groups with the right intensity, with the right amount of rest. Not everyone has that brain power to dedicate, but still wanna get into the best shape they possibly can. Luckily, the Ultimate Athlete Project is there for you. The Ultimate Athlete Project is an online resource consisting of a detailed workout program designed by a professional strength and conditioning coach. I wanted to learn more from someone who has been a practitioner and user of the Ultimate Athlete Project, so I spoke with... My name is Ben Denica, and I play for Prairie Fire out of Kansas City. I've played Prairie Fire for three years, and I've captained for two of them. He's been doing pretty well on the Ultimate Athlete Project. So in 2015, we returned to Nationals for the second time ever and improved upon our uh, 2014 finish by tying for seventh and qualifying for the Pro Flight, which is a first in our program history. Most importantly, what results has he seen? Personally, I felt like my endurance was better, my durability was vastly improved, my core fitness was much better, and overall stability, balance, and athleticism were all increased. It's a great program, and I would recommend it to anyone. For more information, check out the theultimateathleteproject.com and have your best season ever. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. I've got a very special guest today, the commissioner of the American Ultimate Disc League, Steve Gordon, is also the owner of the Chicago Wildfire, the t- a team entering their fourth season in the AUDL, had a blast competing against them last year, and really enjoyed sitting down talking to Steve, learning a little bit more about how he became involved in the sport, his perspective on the future of professional disc sports, And we get into a very interesting discussion about the role of referees and self-officiation at different levels of the game. So uh, a very hotly debated issue. And I thought it was very interesting to hear straight from the horse's mouth what the commissioner of the AUDL thinks about the role of self-officiation, spirit of the game, and whether he wants to see referees proliferate the entirety of the sport. So... Be sure to stay tuned and enjoy my conversation with Steve Gordon. Steve, thank you so much for coming to my podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. Uh, So you are both involved as the commissioner of the American Ultimate Disc League, and you also uh, help run the Chicago Wildfire franchise, which is one of the early franchises of the AUDL. I played for the Thunderbirds, which are a little bit newer. Um, So I just kind of wanted to start by hearing the story of how you came to be involved uh, in the sport of Ultimate, with the AUDL, kind of where that interest has its genesis. Yeah, Aaron. Um, the initially, I was not aware of this game up until approximately four years ago. I didn't know it existed, 
and um, there was a, a an acquaintance in um, in Detroit that owned one of the uh, original eight teams that that contacted me and asked whether I could get to Under Armour uh, as a possible sponsor for the league, which which was kind of funny because I had no idea about the league or, or the sport as a whole even. So the uh, I, I let him know that certainly I could uh, through my marketing company, but what for? So he proceeded to tell me about the league and, and, and such, and I, I expected to go home, Google it, get a feel for what it is, maybe think it's cute and kind of walk on. I, I just really didn't expect much out of it. Instead, when I when I Googled it, I was absolutely captivated and literally didn't leave my apartment for three days, just watching video, listening to podcasts, and completely captivated, as I said, with the game. So that, that got me uh, interested. And while it, it didn't come to fruition with, with Under Armour, uh, it got me excited enough that um, I wanted to do some other things that related to the game. Uh, everything I had done philanthropically to that point was with kids, in fact, since as well, was with kids. And I felt that when I came across the value set that everybody knows as, as spirit, I felt like this was these were values that maybe weren't being shared with kids as prevalently as maybe they were uh, in past years. And I felt that this would be a great delivery system, this game, for the values. And because of the reach that I had through my marketing company, we could reach kids across the country. And if we did it on a nonprofit basis, we could literally reach everybody at every social and economic level. So I proceeded to, to file for a, a charity the following day. And and literally within days, I was made aware that the Chicago franchise was going to be one of the expansion cities for 2013. And without any regard for due diligence, I just felt that spiritually it just felt right. And, and I decided to buy the team. And that was kind of the start of it. Fascinating. When you say you had this kind of initial, you're initially transfixed by the game and you were so captivated by it, what components, was it was it strictly spirit of the game or what was so compelling about the potential of the sport no it, it w- certainly wasn't um just spirit it was the the athleticism the speed the excitement you know you you see a lot of as everybody in ultimate knows you've got elements of soccer and basketball and football and all these different things in, in a very unique package that just completely drew my attention and then uh, as I was watching a lot of the a lot of the content and video that I was coming across, that's when the spirit was becoming apparent. I was watching guys get beat cleanly and instead of being mad or stomping off, going up and helping the guy the guy that just beat him up and and uh, and congratulate him on a great play. So these were these were things that I had never seen in team sports before. And once I kind of came across that vein of the game, uh, I proceeded to just look more for that and ultimately came across a podcast that was with Henry Callahan's brother. And if I remember right, it was about 45 minutes and I must have listened to it uh, somewhere, I'd say four or five, six times and was captivated by the fact that there was a a team sport that had these kinds of values. And then that kind of migrated over to the, the charitable ideas. Gotcha. So, so take me back to you've decided I'm going to start this charity. I think I'm, you know, going to pull the trigger and buy the Wildfire franchise in Chicago. What were those initial months, uh, initial season like, as far as all the moving parts that encompass, you know, getting a new franchise off the ground? Yeah, it 
it was a it was a unique time too. I I purchased the team in March of 2012, and for those that have been around the ADL since its beginning, uh, you know they they would remember the uh, subsequent lawsuits that occurred during the first season, that occurred between the league and Connecticut and Rhode Island in particular. And I had just purchased this team in March, so this was my first experience with not only the sport and and sports ownership, but doing so in a league that that was facing these challenges. Um, I, I stayed close to the the proceedings and how that was moving forward. In the meanwhile, I had met the other team owners that were coming in in 2013 along with the wildfire, one of which was Rob Lloyd, who at the time I had no idea who Rob was. All, all, all I know was, or all I knew was that when I talked to him, he was he was quick, he was sharp, he got to things he went to A to B with nothing in between. It was just, I was very impressed. And as we proceeded through the following months, uh, Tim DeBile was another gentleman that, that I was beginning to get to know. And the three of us continued to communicate and got to the point where we went forward with potentially purchasing the league, which uh, inevitably happened. But so the, your question, which is is what happened with the wildfire, I think a lot of it was really put on hold because we were I was so focused on watching what was going to happen from the macro level at the legal level before getting too involved with what happened what had to happen you know at the team level but once we got started it was quite frankly not having had much experience in ultimate it was find people that did <laughs> and and make sure that I had those kinds of people I I knew I felt comfortable with my business acumen and how I could do from a business perspective but I didn't know the product so having someone aboard that knew the product was was crucial uh which is what we did yeah gotcha uh tim is tim's great he was a guest on episode 39 of the podcast as you mentioned the three of you have been very involved both with your individual franchises and the running of the league um and i think that it you know i'd, I'd love to get into the nitty-gritty of of how the wildfire organization runs and the, and the challenges associated with that but in terms of the growth of the league you've really seen uh, an expansion. You opened up the South Division last year. Continue to bring on new teams as the years go by. And and Tim hinted at his in his episode that you were nearing the point of maybe not saturation, but uh, where you're satisfied with the number of teams, the four division format, being able to run a two round playoff system in each division. Is is that something that you would echo? A sentiment that you would echo? Yeah, yeah. I think that's accurate. I I believe that. While there may be more teams added, and, and essentially there will be, yes, we are close to saturation. First of all, our, our bylaws call for a maximum of 32 games without changes in our, in our actual structure that, uh, that would allow for more if we ever got to the point of wanting to. At, at this point, we're not there. Um, as you probably know, Aaron, you know, we're, we're at 26 teams going into 2016, so there's room for six more. I, I think a four-division design that that could very well be subdivided into 14 conferences by no means is that the direction right now we, we've got a number of ideas as to as to what the alternatives might be but that four division format makes a ton of sense to us so i, I think tim uh portrayed that accurately gotcha as you see the future of the league and, and you make your plans for the next whatever time horizon that you really evaluate things through what are some of the biggest obstacles you see the sport having in terms of owners seeing that seeing their books move from red to black in terms of 
you know, seeing the proliferation of online content and also potentially finding the quote-unquote major sponsor who makes the entire league more feasible. You, you hinted at the Under Armour potentially being involved, and I actually had Jeff Snader, uh, formerly of the of Major League Ultimate, in episode 32 of this podcast, and what he really outlined as the challenge he saw for Major League Ultimate and Professional Ultimate in general is getting that major sponsor and showing uh, sponsors what they want to see as for, uh, in terms of coming on board. Do you recognize any of those as, as primary focuses? Yeah, I, I think I would maybe position it just a bit differently than, than Jeff did. Uh, certainly he was right that, that getting a, a major sponsor is important to the growth, sustainability of the league. Uh, that said, you, you get major sponsors when the sponsors believe that there's eyes to see their message. So the, the first thing we need to do is expand what has been a participation game into a much bigger uh, fan experience to a fan-based game. When we're able to do that and see the expansion, I, I know, for example, that the SFIA report a couple of years ago suggested that there are 5 million players in the U.S. What, you know, at what level and how many times, I guess, is open for debate. But, but the point is that if those numbers can be doubled, let's say we bring those 5 million players to 10 million, and we're bringing tons of people that may not ever play the game. I personally have never played it. But there's a lot of people that are sports fans that once exposed to the game, I believe, are going to become huge fans of the game. So first and foremost, it's gaining exposure, converting that exposure to uh, people desiring to see games and to pay to see games. And when we see that, that's when we'll start to attract that major sponsor and, and other sponsors that, that are necessary as well. Gotcha. And I think that's definitely just really uh, embodies the philosophy of, of don't you know go for the don't put the cart before the horse it's going to be that solid fan base that the regular regular consumers of online content of you know showing up at games being in attendance that's going to drive the needle towards all the quote unquote monetization strategies so i like to hear that in terms of so, so you you've touched on spirit being something that really attracted you to the sport initially and this concept and, and that really being a great lesson uh, to teach kids. And I can, I can strongly, strongly affirm that I've been a coach at uh, an ultimate camp called Camp Spirit where we talk about the values of the game and teach self-refereeing to the kids that are there. And it's, it's this unique experience that they're not getting when they go to basketball camp or soccer camp. One of the criticisms or maybe the frictions between the professional leagues or specifically the AUDL and USA Ultimate has been the observer self-officiation camp versus the referee camp. It's interesting for me to hear that spirit was something that you found so attractive about the sport and how have you negotiated the reality of the sentiment that referees make this version of the game or make the game more attractive to those outside audiences? Um, and do you see the proliferation of referees moving kind of south to college and high school and youth leagues? Or do you see that as something that you'd hope would stay in the pro leagues as kind of like a final destination? That, that's, um, that, that's the number one question. And I think the number one topic that we'll continue to address through the coming years. And, and I, I've talked with Will and Tom at USAU in the past, and, and uh, 
I'll say the same thing I said to them. And I, and I, every year that goes by now that I'm, that I'm involved in ultimate and in, in particular in this position as commissioner, my feelings for this get stronger. I believe that referees at the professional level make a ton of sense. It works well. It's been proven to work well for a fan experience that you're trying to develop. That said, I also believe that the referees belong only at the pro level. I believe that if we go forward, if we're doing everything we can from an AUDL or I don't want to speak for MIU, but let's just say from a professional perspective, any entities that, that have referees, if we continue to not only support but mandate in any of the activities that our, our people within our organizations engage in for purposes of, of expanding the game, it absolutely has to be without referees at every single other level. I look at the types of players and the types of people that are players in our league, and, and I'll, I'll take this more to the wildfire for a second because that's where I have the most personal relationships, obviously. When I, when I signed my first players for the wildfire and over these years have gotten to know the guys, the first thing that became immediately clear to me is these people, as a subset of society, are great people. They're respectful. They're, they're accomplished. They're intelligent. They're kind. They're positive. There's a lot of things, and I think these are all words that can be attributed to spirit as a whole. So why would I want to change the very culture and, and system that has developed exactly those kinds of people uh, that I think are a big part of why our sport is going to be successful? It's great to build a fan experience, but the fan experience, what they're going to see are those players, not only on the field, but as we get to get into deeper and deeper into the years, it's, it's getting to know the players more and more as well, which is a big part of every, every sports um, landscape. So, if those people that represent our sport are of the type of value-centered people that that spirit teaches, it's just it just provides success at, at every level. So I certainly understand from USAU's perspective why they're they're so adamant to to stick with the model that they employ, which I think not only do I agree that they should, but I endorse and, and have said to Tom and Will, I'm willing to to go and talk on their behalf for that purpose because I believe in it so much. The fact that we have referees, the difference is we're trying to build a fan experience that at other levels, that's not the goal, uh, not the primary goal. So the fan experience in today's society, we need calls to occur, happen quickly. I don't think it's, it's desirable for fans to sit and watch uh, multiple discussions between players that, that take long periods of time. I think that, that hurts the fan experience and hurts our chance to, one, bring the exposure to the game as a whole that I think at our level we've got the, the most opportunity to do. But as long as we do that in a manner that once we expose those those people, in particular kids, then direct them to, to spirit-based leagues, which is what we promote, then I think we're in the best situation possible. Well, I'm, I'm really happy to hear you say that. I think that that will hopefully be clarifying for a number of people because I think for a large portion of the community who is really just kind of third parties watching this interaction between these two kind of abstract organizations, the AUDL versus USA Ultimate, or, or however the narrative may lie on an Alti-World article or something like that. It, it's encouraging to hear that for sure. And I would just reiterate my, my personal belief that I think that the ability for a degree of self-officiation, and, and I saw this last year in the AUDL with players overruling um, overruling calls of the referees, maintaining that spirit ethos, um, really being a selling point and an 
interesting storyline to people outside of our community. So I've, you know, I get interviewed on other podcasts related to, to my show and my brand. And when I talk about the fact that I was in the quarterfinals of the college national championships against North Carolina, and there were calls and there wasn't a referee on the field. The calls were being discussed in this very high stakes game between, you know, me and another person my age, we're both 21, 22 years old. I think that that is really interesting to people. And and also in terms of the star building that you've mentioned, you know, getting to know the character of those people and, and having a high character population of players is something that also will hopefully separate this sport from others. I know Colin, one of the captains in Chicago, is is a great guy. Uh, want to get into talking about the wildfire a little bit, juggling these responsibilities. I know that you said you, you're involved in marketing. You have other outside business ventures. You're involved in the AUDL, but you're also running the wildfire. What do your day-to-day, week-to-week responsibilities as the owner of the wildfire look like? Yeah, Aaron, I, I would, um, just to clarify too, certainly the marketing company that I had prior to getting involved with this is something that I still have, but I I virtually put it on hold because when I took on the role as commissioner, this was a, a whole new level and a, no, a whole new level of responsibility that I, that I took very seriously. So that said, I would say the majority of my time, uh, 90 plus percent of my time every week is, is spent on either the AUDL or the wildfire. I spend very little time on outside uh, interest anymore just because this has become, uh, it's funny, I, I told people when I when I got involved with the sport and I started meeting people within it, and Aaron, you're just you're one of them just like many that I've seen throughout, throughout the league and, and throughout the sport, is I used to tell people that the people in this game aren't, this isn't a passion, this is like a cult. This is crazy love for this game. And I had no idea that within a couple of months, somehow I caught it, I caught it too, but but you know this really well, is when you get that, it's hard to think about anything else when that's what you want to do. And I probably, I, I, I don't know how many hours I put in, I'm guessing somewhere between 60 and 90 a week, And at, but those aren't, while they're hours spent for the purpose of the sport, it's not, it's not, it doesn't seem like work to me. I, I laugh sometimes, there's ends of long 15, 16 hour days, I think, my God, why am I doing this? And then I wake up in the morning and and think, thank God, this is what I, I get to do. And that's the piece that continues to prevail. So that said, I would break down the number, the, the amount of time as percentages, probably um, two thirds to the league, one third to the wildfire. And as we continue to grow and, and as I learn more about the game and how to how to run a small business with this as the product, it's becoming uh, a bit easier each year, obviously, as, as the experience grows. If you wouldn't mind getting a little more granular, just I think just the idea of there being a professional ultimate commissioner is, is a little abstract to some people. What, what are you working on weekly as in that role? Yeah, that that I don't know that there's a typical week. I, I would say that, um, you know, there's there's everything from on a national basis, negotiating uh, insurance contracts and music licenses and 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 while the teams have the primary responsibility for their their venues, you know, certainly there's a lot of support from our side. There's the uh, establishment of the rules and regulations that that our league abides by. There is the the confirmation that that everybody is working in alignment. We have a very different model 
than than say MIU uh, or other organizations in that we have a centric body in the league itself, and then each team is owned individually by their owners, and they have the autonomy to 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 run a lot uh, based on how they see that fit. I believe that the league is best serving the teams by providing certain minimums. So, for example, as a business owner outside of sports, I want to not only beat my competition, but if I can put that my competition out of business, that's that's probably a grand slam. That's not the case in sports. I, I need to know that that team that I'm playing against is going to be here next week and next year and so forth. So as a league, we've got to make sure that there are certain basics and certain foundations that are provided to all teams and then give them the flexibility to, to take advantage of the hard work that they put in uh, at varying degrees in, in each of those cities. So much of my, my week is in a different relationship with every one of these 26, 26 teams, depending on what they're building, how they're going about it, what's their management team, and things of that sort. Awesome. That's, uh, that's really exciting to hear. I want to ask one more question before we start wrapping up. And if we were to say, you know, we're talking to Steve three years from now, you're still commissioner of the AUDL, still involved and uh, running the wildfire. What would you really be excited to see the league and your team have accomplished over the next three years? Well, I think over the next three years, first of all, if they let me, I'll still be commissioner. There's, there's no question there. Um, I, I love the role. I love everything about it. I, I love the people that I work with, uh, not only directly as owners, but just people that you, you're, you run across within the sport across the nation. You know, in my travels, it's, it's just phenomenal. That said, I believe in three years, um, the things that I, that I would be looking for is, one, we knew both as teams and as a league there were going to be a number of years that, that we all were going to put in at a financial loss. It's it's like many businesses. The it's a long it's a long term play in uh, as uh, from a business perspective. <clears throat> excuse me in uh, in the AUDL and in, in Ultimate. So getting not only the league but the teams to uh, to be past the years of losing and and actually to be profitable by then uh, is is a big goal. Two is, I think in many ways, we're, we're preparing to revolutionize how the game is presented. And, and what I mean by that is uh, Rob Lloyd is, is very fond of talking about disruption uh, in any industry, and certainly in this one is. And he defines it as, how can we bring this game and this experience with this game to sports fans in a different way than, than they experience sports in, in, in any other game? A lot of that is going to be tied to not only the on-field product that people see from the stands, but also what they see digitally. So how we capture content, how we package that content, how we present that content are all going to be big pieces that we are going to engage in over the next few years. And I believe that how people are going to see this game three years from now is, is completely different than it is right now. You, you may be aware of Aaron. You know, there's there's the company Peak Data P E E Q, which uh, we're a majority owner of. It's a startup technology company that's creating technology that will help us to achieve exactly what we were just talking about: gathering content, and packaging it in, in new ways, and making sure that we do so in a manner that we're not missing plays either. We're going to capture literally everything, which can give us so much more to to excite fans with. Which means it gives us a tool to one get people excited about the game. And to me, we do this from an organic perspective uh, in three steps. 
One is we have to introduce people to the game. A big part of that is at the grassroots level, which is, as you're talking about, you coach, is, is running clinics and, and introducing them not only to the game but to the value set. But it is just an introduction. So how do we take them to the next step? The next step is take them from that introduction, getting, getting them excited about coming out and watching a game now, uh, and let that, that experience drive their excitement so much that they then want to participate in it. And that's where having the, the relationships with the local uh, Ultimate Groups in Chicago, Ultimate Chicago is, is the organization that runs Bubble Deeks here, and, and, uh, and by extension with USAU, if, if we ever get to a point where we're, we're comfortable, both sides are, are comfortable in partnering. But I see that being a, a very distinct possibility because if we do that correctly, we can grow the amount of players, and if we can direct them to the very institution, which is USAU, that is that has developed the players to date, I think we're doing our job right. Awesome. That's a uh, a great note to be wrapping up on. I definitely have heard some rumblings about that through the Thunderbirds organization. Definitely excited about some of the things potentially coming down the pipe. Sorry to everyone out there that we're kind of teasing it without uh, precisely giving everything away, but you'll have to stay tuned to the AUDL on this podcast uh, to stay on top of that. Steve, before we tell people how to connect with you and you issue the personal challenge to the audience, is there anything else I didn't give you a chance to say? No, I think you covered it pretty well. I, I will say, Aaron, that, that you and in, in Pittsburgh in particular, you've got great owners in, in that city, and, and um, certainly um, a little bruised after playing you guys a couple times and being on the wrong end of that but uh, with the wildfire. But uh, it, it's been a lot of fun and real excited about, about the organization you guys have there too. Absolutely. We're excited to be uh, challenging you guys again for another Midwestern title we have to enthrone madison for sure um if people want to connect with you steve uh follow up the conversation learn more about you where are the best places to find you in the digital world um the the best place is by email is s gordon at the com or at s gordon at chicago dash wildfire dot com either one i can be reached at at any point and and uh be happy to uh to respond to anything that comes in Cool. As always, that will be linked to in the show notes at goingdeepwithaaron.com slash podcast. Uh, all the show notes for this and every episode can be found there. Uh, before I let you take the mic away one last time, Steve, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to come on the show. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to see uh, what the next season of the ADL will bring, but I'll let you take it away with a personal challenge for the audience. Yeah, Aaron. I, uh, one of the things that I that I found interesting when I joined uh, the AUDL and and uh, got involved with Ultimate was, ironically, knowing what the culture was. You know that you hear back in the old days, and and knowing now just how everybody is so focused on on health and fitness, and I, you get people like Tim Morrill and and Goose Helton and others that that are leaders in that area. Um, it's something that's always been kind of close to my heart. Um, I'm 57, and I. I keep myself in shape. I work out five days a week, but a big part of it's nutrition as well. In particular, I, I eat organic uh, the majority of the time. I'm certainly not perfect, but I guess one one challenge I might, I might uh, extend is to everybody is uh, to try to eat organic three times a week, maybe for a month. See how that changes uh, how you feel. I, I find that eating organic, the things that I try to achieve by doing so is to avoid in particular a lot of the preservatives and related poisons that, that are that are 
in foods that, that aren't organic at this point. And, and, um, and by doing so, I find that my energy levels up, sleeping patterns are better, and I would, I would challenge everybody to try that and see if it helps them too. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think in a world where everyone's looking for a competitive edge or an efficiency hack or a life hack, uh, it, it's funny, nutrition is probably the one that's most right in front of our faces, but too often ignored. So thank you for that, and thank you again for coming on the show. We just went deep with Steve Gordon, commissioner of the AUDL and owner of the Chicago Wildfire. Hope everyone out there has a great day. Thanks, Aaron. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening and thank you to Steve for coming on the show. If you have not yet hit the subscribe button, please head over to Stitcher or iTunes and make sure that you do not miss another episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Subscribe and you will never miss an episode when it comes out. If that is too much of a commitment or you're just looking for another way to stay on top of all the cool content we're producing here at Going Deep, be sure to head over to goingdeepwithaaron.com and sign up for our once monthly newsletter. Now, I know you probably go to a bunch of different sites or other listen to other podcasts and they're all asking you to join a newsletter. I'm not going to make any sort of crazy pitch other than that it's one email per month jam-packed with the best, highest quality things I've found on the internet. We sent out our first uh, just last week for the month of January. I got a ton of great feedback about how much people enjoyed it. So we're going to continue to build off of the momentum that we have there and continue to produce great monthly newsletters. Make sure you sign up. All you need to do is drop your email and you'll get one email a month of the best stuff from the internet. Until next time, I'm Aaron Watson. Thank you so much for listening.